Welcome to Dr. Eric's Relentless Vitality Podcast. Our focus is on optimizing physical and mental vitality, maximizing performance, and extending lifespan. Dr. Eric is a licensed physician with a wealth of expertise in age management and preventive medicine, whose goal is enabling his patients to stay young, feel their best, and enjoy a higher quality of life. Yay! Hey! We did it! Did it! Took me a minute. Hey, guys. That's all right. He's got his cut-off Dr. Eric shirt on. Um, I was just saying that I think everybody expected me to wear my penis mask, but... I'm going to save that for a real good time when I can actually film the responses of the people. <laughs> that, that would be entertaining for sure. All right. Well, we already have 15 people. So thank you guys for signing on to Testosterone Tuesday for our initial 7 p.m. night. There's Eric. Yes, the cutoff, he says. <laughs> oh, man. This is going to be a fun one. Um, you guys know me. I'm Allie Gilbert, and this is Dr. Eric Fett. Fett is French, right? Fate, yep. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, they call you Fett at your office, just so you know. Fett, Fette, it's, it's everything. So. Fetty, you can call him whatever as long as you just call him, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, funny story is Eric and I actually know each other in real life. So, we met at the AMMG um, Medical Conference in 2018. And I was, is it? I think it was 18 or 17. 18. Um, yeah. And he was in the same group of physicians that I was hanging out with. And so not a lot of doctors, as you guys know, actually lift or kind of walk the walk. So it was pretty cool. We hit it off. We became buddies. But, you know, back then there was no COVID. It's tough to send people to you when you don't live in the same state. So we stayed in touch and now we're actually able to kind of collaborate on a lot of things. And one of them being our initial Testosterone Tuesday segment. So we're going to talk about TRT 101, just the basics of what makes somebody a candidate. So if you guys have any questions regarding this, fire them away at us because we will answer it honestly and truthfully because you know that's what I do. But I will let Eric introduce himself and give him a, little, give him a chance to give a little bit of background on what he does and where he's from. Yeah, thanks, Ali. Yeah, we uh, we we met over a dead piece of uh, cow, a big ass uh, piece of. Uh, yes. Uh, sorry for uh, the cussing. We're keeping it real here, but. Uh, oh, yeah. I fuck it. <laughs> Had a great time. So, uh, uh, hello to everybody. Yeah, please, yeah, <laughs> please fire off any questions, anything you want to know about hormonal optimization, testosterone optimization, metabolism, nutrition, you know, weight loss, fitness. You know, Ali and I are both you know experts in all those fields. So. Um, you know, I'm up in I'm up in Ohio, and um, for those of you who don't know, you know, these this, the whole thing with the hormones and getting older it affects us all. As we get into our 30s and 40s and 50s, um, it's going to hit everyone at some point, you know. And uh, it there's not really anyone out there who it's not going to affect. I think one of the common things is that people feel like it's just part of aging. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. Obviously, we're going to lose the war, but we could we could slow things down a little bit. So, um, I was an ER doctor for many years, so I kind of saw things on the back end when everybody was at their worst, when people were broken and sick and ill and, and down and depressed and uh, pretty much at their worst. And I had to fix them. I could, you know, whatever it would be, if they're dying, if they're having a heart attack, if I had to intubate somebody or crack a chest, I mean, I was doing mm -hmm. that. I realized a lot of these things could have been prevented if, you know, these illnesses, I, I was seeing guys in their thirties and forties are massively overweight, diabetic and high blood pressure and out of control. And I thought, Oh my God, you could, you could have fixed this, you know? So 
that's how I got into the preventive and health optimization space, because I think by hitting this on the front end, we can live not just longer, but live better. And that's where all these strategies come into place. We want to increase the quality of life, not just, you know, live to 100, but, you know, barely able to get out of a chair. I, you know, maybe go to 99, but I want to be able to keep running and skiing and playing and doing stuff and stay strong. And that's what it's about is building muscle and staying strong. So it's about improving your health span, not just your lifespan. So that's where Allie and I kind of hit it off. We we kind of had the same goals. We don't live life, grab it by the ball, by the balls and go. So, you know, that's what we're going to talk about tonight's going to be an intro, just kind of talk about who is a candidate for hormone replacement therapy or, or really hormone optimization therapy. We don't replace it. We optimize it. We make it better. Um, and we'll get into later about some of the exceptions, the myths, uh, the worries and concerns. There's a lot of bad old logic and studies and, and fallacies out there that, that we, we're going to put to rest at a later time. But tonight, we just kind of want to talk about, you know, am I a candidate? Who's, who's a good candidate? And, um, and we'll, we'll touch on that. So uh, thanks for joining, everyone. Please fire off any questions. Um, so full disclosure, you guys know I'm all about transparency and, you know, just keeping it real. I actually had my personal lab review with Dr. Eric a couple hours ago, and yours truly is a candidate for TRT. And of course, you say that on some other public forums, and be like, yo, she's taking steroids, man. I knew it. I knew it. She's always working out, like whatever. Listen, my testosterone was a whopping three. <laughs> my free T was a whopping three. So... We'll get into what that means. Mostly we're going to be talking about the men tonight, but I just want you guys to know you can live the life of a fitness professional where I eat a certain way. You guys have all seen my wonderful ground meat and green beans that I indulge on. So yummy. And I exercise and I try to do everything I can to optimize more my hormones. And then even then I can fall a little bit low. So that's what I do. So anyway, I figured I'd start off with that story and let you guys know. So I think one of the funniest things to kind of pop this off would be is what is the most bizarre or just far-fetched reason that you have heard a patient say when they see you that their doctor told them that they're not a candidate for, aside from being in a certain range. But I've heard some, some strange things as like, you look fit, you're too young. What is the weirdest thing that you've been told? Yeah, I think that the yeah, a couple of those ring a bell a lot. Like you, you know, you're not you're not overweight, or um, you're healthy. You're like you're 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 too young for that. Is another common one. I think most. I've had a lot of guys who've actually been to their doctor and talked about it and asked about it, and they've had maybe some hormone levels checked, and they're normal, quote unquote normal. Um, so they don't go any further with it because they don't know what to do with that. So um, it's kind of like being an A student or a D student, right? You're still passing. I don't want to be a D student. I want to be a freaking A student. So we can make things better. And again, we're not looking to make people, you know, uh, ridiculously uh, out of control on stuff. Like, like Ali said, like a, like some of that's like kind me. of, yeah, like Ali. Don't be like Ali. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's where a lot, a lot of the bad rep came from. You know, back in the you know seventies and eighties, I think I think testosterone, really steroids and things like that, were getting were getting abused. Quite frankly, and that's where um, some of the side effects that people hear about are the concerns or the stigma kind of came from. And obviously we're not doing that. We're getting people optimal. You know, we, if someone's on a zero to 10, we're, we're putting them around a seven or an eight and that's where you need to be. We're not trying to make anybody a Superman or a superwoman, but we want to make you a hell of a lot better. So I think that's probably the most common thing is that well, I went to my doc, he said, I'm normal, you know, well, how do you feel? Well, I feel like shit. You know, I, I, can't yeah. get, I can't lose my gut. You know, I don't want to take my shirt off. I'm losing muscle. You know, if any of that sounds familiar out there, you, you know, you're, you're in there. If you're a candidate, you know, 
you know, if you're out of your, you know, pubescent uh, stage past your twenties, you could be a candidate because, um, especially nowadays, you know, um, you know, we're, we're exposed to toxins and all kinds of crap in the food and the water and the plastics. I think guys are getting, I mean, I'm seeing it more and more younger and younger all the time. I mean, some of the older guys are still doing okay, but I'm seeing guys in their thirties, uh, even younger and forties and they're, they've got the testosterone like a 90 year old. It's, it's, it's terrible. And some of it's lifestyle, but you know, that's, that's probably the biggest thing is, um, you know, I've been told I was normal or I'm too young. Um, those are the, the most common things that I hear. I think um, just to give you guys some context as to the range for testosterone for men. So it's actually been reduced two times in the past five years, which is one of the only lab markers, correct me if I'm wrong, to be reduced that much because men are showing up with such low levels versus our fathers and our grandfathers. So now the low end of the, the level starts around 250, 220 maybe, and then it ends around 970. So if you're anywhere within that massive arbitrary range that, by the way, is based on all of America, sick, fat, whatever, then you're considered normal. So you can be 30 years old with a testosterone level of 280 and considered, oh, well, you're in range, you're fine. We just have to get you to 300 where clinically you're okay when they're actually not. Can you describe some of the symptoms that guys say to you that maybe they don't consider would be something low testosterone that they've been told otherwise that they come to you for? Yeah, absolutely. I think, like you said, we'll get into later on a future uh, show about the, the numbers in the lab bodies because the numbers have been shortened and, and shrunk because it used to be over a thousand was the highest normal. Now it's in the low 900s or less because it was just because, and it's, unfortunately, there's a lot of economics and politics, and that's for, for another discussion, but yeah. um, we'll talk about that later. But like Ali said, you could be, you know, 301 and be normal, um, but it's not optimal. And, and the fallacy is that, um, you know, for me, I treat the patient. I don't treat the numbers. I want to know what your symptoms are. How do you feel? Um, and we'll go from there. It's kind of like, okay, you're depressed. You know, what's your uh, Prozac level? There isn't one. They're treating off the symptoms, right? So we do that in medicine elsewhere, but why don't we do it in, in, in this field? In this field, I call it more inter interventional endocrinology. So I want to intervene and make it better. I go off the symptoms. I do use the labs as a guide, but that's not what's telling me. That. And we'll get into this on later, but it has to do with uh, your receptors and genetic invariant variances. One guy at level 400 may feel awesome. Another guy at 400 may feel like total crap. So I think the biggest thing is, you know, that we see a lot of guys for libido. If you're having, you know, decreased libido, decreased erections, decreased morning erections, um, no sex drive. That's a, probably one of the biggest ones. The other one is energy and body. And what I mean by that is fatigue, lack of motivation, kind of what I call the grumpy old man syndrome. Jim, uh, I know I need to go, but I just don't feel like going. I'm tired. I'm moody. I'm cranky. Uh, you know, I'm acting like a menopausal woman, you know, the, that kind of thing. And then they're, they're putting on weight. They can't get rid of that gut. You know, they're, their muscles are shrinking away. Their 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 workouts are going downhill. So um, it's very comparable to aging, right? And we'll talk about this with some other hormones like growth hormone and things like that. You know, as we get older, we get we get thinner and our muscles mass decreases, but our fat mass increases. Our bones get brittle. Our skin sags. Our hair gets thin and gray. We're stooping over. We can't do things. That's aging. But you know, a lot of these symptoms overlap. So we don't have to do that. I mean, we're going to get older, but we can slow that down tremendously. Once again, I'm not trying to make someone who's, you know, 60, 18, but we can knock back the clock and make you more functional and feel better and look a little better too. Um, so those are the biggest symptoms I think is body composition, fat, muscle, poor, uh, weak bones, you know, sex drive, libido, fatigue. Um, and, you know, I don't know anybody listening is, if anybody's listening is an athlete or an ex-athlete, or maybe you fell down, bonked your head, had a head injury. That's a very common thing. I get a lot of, uh, 
military veterans and ex-sports guys who have rung their bell a few times. And there's a lot of literature out there that a lot of these uh, minor head injuries are you're disrupting your hormonal environment because it starts up in your pituitary gland, a little pea-sized thing up in your brain that controls everything. A lot of these guys, especially the veterans, they've gotten, you know, they're all of them, they're coming home, they're getting diagnosed with PTSD. Whereas it turns out they have hormonal adrenalines. You fix that and all of a sudden they're better. Amazing. Mark Gordon's a guy that um, I did some training with and he's big on that. He's got a big whole institute devoted to traumatic brain injuries. So anybody listening, if you're a sports guy, you've rung your bell a few times. I mean, that puts you up in there in the candidate range as well. So that's something a lot of people forget about. Um, you know, injuries to the head. Um, if you're having, if you're just feeling like I'm kind of depressed, I just don't feel like doing anything. Well, it could be depression. Um, it could be something else. It could be your diet, your lifestyle, but that's something to look at with your hormones too, because if there's a missing link, we got to fix that. So those are, those are some big ones to look for. I don't know if anybody's listening has anything like that, but, um, you know, feel free to reach out to us and, you know, uh, on our, and we're, we're happy. I'm happy to do, uh, some consultations and, uh, like Ali said, we can do telemedicine now anywhere. So it makes it a lot easier right now. And so it's interesting that, that you mentioned um, things that guys don't think of. I think a couple of the other things are uh, if they have a baby, usually within that year after their test levels plummet and they may feel overly lethargic and that that's chopped up to like an evolutionary thing to keep the man at home, but also I think lack of sleep. And another one would be sleep apnea, just to kind of segue off the sleep. So can you explain why sleep apnea can cause so many issues and actually just completely tank some man's testosterone. Cause guys don't think about that. Cause if they snore, they think they're just snoring. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looks like Jeffrey had a question about TRT books. I can give you a few, if you uh, message me on Instagram, but there's uh, Abraham Morgenthaler wrote a, a really good book back in the early 2000s. He's great. Um, John Chrysler, friend of ours, unfortunately passed away. What about a year or so ago? He wrote a book on testosterone. If you look up John Chrysler, on, it's all on Amazon, Abraham Morgan Teller's book. I think it's the testosterone solution, I believe. Um, Allie might have him, have him there, but um, I'll give you some other ones if you message me on Instagram. So, um, yeah, sleep apnea is big. Sleep is big just in general. Um, there it is. Chrysler's book, yeah. And he wrote in it, Allie, to one of the few women who actually understands men. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't know what he wrote in mine. He wrote something on mine, too, but I, I don't have it I don't have it in front of me. It wasn't anything... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as cute as Allie, so I, I got a shorter message. <laughs> so um, Allie was talking about uh, sleep apnea. Sleep in general is huge for, for everybody, but certainly when it comes to hormonal optimization, you tank your sleep. I don't care. I could give you the magic solution in your veins, and it's not going to work because sleep, lack of sleep disrupts anything. And sleep apnea in particular is terrible, um, not just because you don't get sleep, uh, which is going to disrupt a lot of things, but if you're having bad sleep apnea, you're actually getting you're depriving your brain of oxygen and that can take years off your life. Uh, it can cause damage to your heart, to your blood vessels, to your brain, a lot of other things, which, you know, we can get into more detail later, but it, it kind of messes you up. So it's going to throw everything off. Even if you're just not, uh, don't have apnea, but you're having poor sleep because of maybe you're snoring enough to disrupt it. You're not getting into that deep wave sleep, but you're not having true apnea. You're still going to have a, a poor night's sleep and you're going to be fatigued the next day. And a lot of clearly many studies have shown that the next day, you're going to be more craving sweets. You're going to be, your cortisol levels are going to be high, your stress hormones, you're going to be uh, hungrier, and you're going to eat more poorly. Your workouts probably won't be as good. So, and then you kind of spiral. So, it's something you definitely have to fix. And the sleep apnea is something that should be addressed. Heck, I just had a sleep apnea study done myself because uh, I snore like like crazy. And um, I was actually having some apneic episodes. And hmm. once again, kind of like testosterone, I'm not your candidate. Right? I don't have a big neck. I'm not overweight. I don't have a big old beard. You know, I'm my. Yeah. 
mouth is narrow, but I was dropping my oxygen saturation into the 80s. Um, so I got one of those mouth appliances to, to kind of adjust your jaw. I didn't have to do this, the BiPAP, the, the machine that you, that you breathe, but, and it worked and now I'm, now I'm okay. So once again, just because it doesn't look like you may have a problem, get it looked in, get, you know, look into it because you could, I mean, I did. So um, like Ali said, she, you know, we did her lab this morning. She's got some things we we're going to work on. I mean, I, I've hit it myself and you, a few years back, I was doing a martial arts class and I was just kind of struggling. I couldn't hit fifth gear. I was like, what the hell is going on here? And I looked into it a little bit and I found a problem and I fixed it. So, you know, even if you're, everything else is clicking, if there's something offline, then there might be something out of whack and we could look into that. So don't just, just dismiss it thinking, Oh, I'm just old, or maybe I just didn't sleep good. But if it's a consistent problem, uh, again, not everything is hormonal, but a lot of things are, and all those all those things have to fit. So if you if you have something, if it doesn't feel right, it, it, it definitely needs looked into, and we can help with that. Sleep is, oh man, it's one of the quickest ways to increase tests, and it's also one of the quickest ways to tank it if you're lacking it. And I work on it massively with my guys because just the routine of going to bed has been lost, and a lot of people who don't sleep well or have disrupted sleep, it can make you extremely resistant to insulin. So what that means is just doesn't allow your body to tolerate carbohydrates all during the next day. And I've had some guys who I'm controlling their nutrition, I'm controlling their training, something's just not hitting. And I have them do their blood glucose and it's like through the roof in the morning. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, you know, are you sleeping well? Like you stay? And they're like, oh, well, I get up. How many times do you get up? Oh, like three or four times. Like three or four times. That's not normal. So That's we not. may have to, you know, send you off for a sleep study because if you're trying to eat carbohydrates and use them as fuel for your workouts and your body's just retaining water and, and the cells are just kind of rejecting them, then we have to look into your sleep quality and maybe get a sleep study done to determine what is going on. And uh, that's really one of the most important things. So I'm glad that, you know, we touched upon that because sleep does either impair or help maintain certain hormone levels. Um, and you want to be able to tolerate carbs. Carbs before bed are probably one of the best tricks to get somebody to get to sleep because it helps induce serotonin and serotonin basically helps produce melatonin. And we all know melatonin, we know it as a supplement, but we also need that to produce the growth hormone to recover from our training. So it's very cyclic in how all that works. Oh, definitely, yeah. Sleep, if your sleep is off, then your growth hormone is gonna tank. You make 80 to 90% of your growth hormone during your sleep. So if that's out of whack, it's gonna throw you off the next day. And growth hormone and testosterone are very, very synergistic. So um, if you're trying to lose weight, like Ali said, it's just not gonna happen if your sleep's in the tank. Same thing with diet, same thing with exercise. We'll talk about those things more. So. Um, I wanted to circle back to a question from my friend, Josh. He said, if I am interested in being a candidate for TRT, or if I am a candidate, who do I go to? Those are your dogs. Sorry, that's, that's my fault. <laughs> um, so this is a big one because a lot of people go to an endocrinologist or they go to their general practitioner. So I'm always advocating somebody like you or a person who specializes in hormone replacement and what questions to ask somebody because you want a practitioner who works predominantly with men who are on hormone replacement, not someone who's like, oh yeah, you can go on testosterone, do it once a week, here you go, bye-bye. So what, what questions would somebody ask of their medical practitioner and should they expect to use insurance? 
Yeah, those are great questions. I think that's that's something else that a lot of people think, oh, I can just buy this online or I can go to my, my family doctor or do this. I think one of the questions they said you should ask is, um, you know, what do you do most of the time? Like, what's the majority of your patient care? Um, do you, are, are most of your patients, you know, are you doing health optimization, preventive health, like with hormone optimization therapy? Uh, if it's not mostly what they do, then that that's something you have to watch for. Because once again, you know, I did it when I was an ER doctor. I didn't know a little bit about, about everything, but I wasn't an expert in one particular thing because I had to know everything. Same with family practice docs, and even endocrinologists. They don't uh, hone in on the true optimization therapy for testosterone. They were kind of taught the old way of doing things, and they're kind of doing it that way. There's a few that are out there that are pretty savvy, but most of the time, it's not the case. You want someone who's actually been trained specifically in hormone optimization, um, you know, who, who's done just that for years and, and majority of their patients are seeing that. So if you're seeing mostly hormone optimization patients, you've been specifically trained in hormonal optimization. Uh, like, for example, I've been to many, you know, extensive courses, you know, over the course of several, many years, not just a weekend kind of course. So, and I continue to do that on a regular basis and I read it every day. I, you know, I talk to my patients about it every day. So I live it, I breathe it, I practice it. So you want someone who's immersed in it, not just someone who plays around with it and who's up on the current literature too. You want to ask them about current studies. If they're still talking about the Women's Health Initiative from 2002, they're out of sync because that, that's old news and it, it was off. Um, you know, and ask them, you know, what modes of hormone optimizations they do. If they're still doing um, testosterone, a big loading dose in the butt, in the muscle every two Two, two weeks or every month, again, they're out of date. There's newer ways to do it. So ask them how they do it. Um, there's a lot of um, clinics out there that are kind of mills. Honestly, they look at it, testosterone, a few other things, they'll give you a shot and they run you out the door, but they're cranking out hundreds of these guys a day, but they don't look at everything. It, it's like dominoes. You can't just play with one hormone. They're all interconnected. How you affect your testosterone, it affects your growth hormone, your cortisol, your estrogen level. Um, it affects many other things. And then it affects your nutrition. And then, like Ali was saying, your sleep affects all those. And, and there's many little, you mess with one thing, you hit one domino, they all fall. So you can't just, you know, if you're, if you're going to a clinic like, you know, like a, a tea clinic and they're just cranking people and giving testosterone and they're automatically giving you something like an astrozole, God forbid, run. You know, it's just, that's not, you want someone who's actually going to sit down and spend time with you, like spend a half an hour, an hour or, or more, depending on how complicated you are and, and look at everything, not just, oh, yeah, your testosterone is low, here's a shot, see ya, um, call you in a month. Um, you want someone who's going to look into every nuanced detail of it. And most of us, most of, the, of us who are doing that, um, that's what we do. We can spend time in your traditional medical practice. You know, we can't do that. You're in, you know, when you work with insurance, you can't do that. you got to see patients like literally every five, 10 minutes and you're cranking it out. So we can't do that. So we don't typically work with insurance. It's a cash model only because we're not beheld to the, the whims of insurance companies, which are completely onerous and, and very draconian. And I don't really, I don't even want to talk about it, but, uh, basically, we can do the way practice medicine, the way it was meant to be, one-on-one -on -one with a patient, personalized care, making custom-made solutions. I can sit with you for as long as I want to and talk to you. My patients, I tell them, it's like a concierge practice. You want to call me every week to go over things, I'll, I'm there. If you want to call me once a month or some, some people just call me once a year. So um, we can make it very custom-made. So that's the best way to do it. It's the, it's the easiest way to do it, and it's the most beneficial for our patients. That, that's a fantastic explanation. And I tell a lot of my guys, like, listen, save your insurance for things that are emergencies and prescriptions and stuff like that. But when it comes to optimization, your insurance just wants to keep you alive, just like our metabolism. doesn't <laughs> care about our vanity, just wants to keep us alive. And so it's well worth the money because otherwise you're just going to go from doctor to doctor to doctor and get frustrated and until you find somebody that knows what they're doing. And then by then you might've already been on 12 different styles and stuff like that. So um, 
But I want to segue into, so a lot of the times there's men who are early 30s, late 30s, but, you know, in the early 30s where their testosterone levels are lower, 300, 400, they have symptoms, you know, they're obviously getting resistance from the practitioners that they go to. What would you suggest that they confront to themselves as far as like lifestyle and stuff like that? Because usually when guys are younger, they want to be able to have kids usually when, when mm-hmm. they get older. And sometimes doctors will just throw them on testosterone, not even ask them this. I, I've had guys who've been through that route. So what do you think like from their perspective can they do to preserve fertility or what questions should they ask to preserve fertility? Because we know that there's different methods and medications that can help with that. So what, what would that be for you? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And I, with, with my younger patients, anybody, certainly if they're under 40, um, I always discuss that with them every single time because, you know, I say, look, are you going to have more children? And a lot of them are pretty clear one way or another, but a lot of them are not sure. So um, there are other options. Once again, it's not just a mill. You have to kind of look at their case by case. Uh, what's their priorities? Is it family? It's health? It's usually all the above, but there's any chance of them wanting to maintain their fertility. There are other options. I might start with HCG or with Clomid um, or both, and then that way they can boost their, uh, their, you know, improve their testosterone and maintain their fertility at the same time, because that way we have an option. We can, if it fails or 10 years down the road, we can go to testosterone. That being said, we can start testosterone. We can always go back later and add some things and do some other manipulations hormonally to get them fertile again, because I explained very clearly that if we just go straight to testosterone, they very well could become infertile. There's a lot of men who haven't, so they've, they've had problems, but they're able to have kids later, but across the board, most of the time, you can't. So I tell them that either I discuss that with them to be prepared for them, I recommend that they bank their sperm just in case, um, and that way they have a, a sample in case they do decide to go that route. But I always like to start with plan A or B first before we go to testosterone, but I always have the discussion with, with my younger patients. <laughs> Can you explain the difference between HCG and Clomid for the listeners and what they do and how they can increase test levels as, as well as preserve fertility? Yeah, absolutely. So um, without getting too sciencey, the, the Clomid is basically, a, it's, a, a, it's a CIRM. It's a selective estrogen receptor modulator. So it actually works in the brain. It kind of tells your brain that it, it blocks the receptor for estrogen, actually, because that's actually uh, what we call a feedback loop. So kind of like with um, with insulin, right? If you eat food, you get blood sugar in your in your, in your your system, and then your body pumps out insulin to take care of that. As soon as the, the, the blood sugar goes down, the insulin level goes down. Same thing if you've got a lot of testosterone or estrogen floating around. Your brain will tell your body, hey, stop pumping it out, lower your levels again. So it's kind of a self-controlling mechanism. So the clomid actually works in the brain to stimulate uh, what's called a gonadotropins that stimulate your testicles to make uh, more testosterone. So it's kind of like your brain is kicking your... No, not a bad, good visual, but kicking your testicles in the butt and saying, hey, make some more testosterone. <laughs> so, uh, but that way it's not shutting down your, you know, it's not impairing your testicles' ability. So that way if you stop it, you can, again, once again, you're not affecting your fertility. HCG is very similar. It's, it's actually a luteinizing hormone analog. It's a different pathway, but the bottom line is it's stimulating your cell, your testicles to produce its own natural testosterone. Whereas when you take exogenous testosterone, you're literally shutting that all down in the brain and then everything's shutting down. So it could, because you're completely replacing it with, with what you're putting in your body. So fertility will definitely go down. So ACG and Clomid work, they work well for a lot of people. Uh, some one will work better than others in some kinds. And honestly, sometimes you just have to try it and see what will happen. It works great. And a lot of guys, every now and then you get someone who it doesn't work 
one will work and one was one won't. So sometimes it takes a little trial and error. Um, question from my buddy Joey. Once you start TRT, is it foregone conclusion it's for the rest of your life? Um, it depends. Um, in general, I would say yes, but it doesn't have to be. It's just like anything. You could stop it at any point, just like taking any medication. You can always stop it. Um, you're not going to damage anything. People are going to say, oh, my gosh, is, am I going to be dependent on that? And am I going to go back to where I was? Well, yeah, because if your levels are low and your symptoms are there, you're already we're going through what we call andropause or hypogonadism. Uh, male you, menopause. Male menopause. It's <laughs> not a pretty sight, that's for sure. So we fix it. We make it better. So down the road, are you going to, so say you're, you started at a two, we get you up to a nine, and then say five years later, you want to stop it. Yeah, you're going to drop back down again. You may not be a two. You may be a three, but you may be a one because as we get older, unfortunately, with like we were talking earlier with the toxins, our stress and age, it's going to drop anyway. So it's not like you're just going to make it worse, but you're going to, you're already bad to begin with if you, if you needed therapy to begin with. So you're going to drop to where you were. So, um, you know, and that's fine. If guys want to stop at the camp, but just realize that they're going to lose all the benefits. Um, and, and I think, you know, we'll talk about this on future episodes, but there's a lot of health benefits to it too. It's not just about aesthetics and, and muscle and, and getting a six pack and, and having sex all night. It's, that's not what it's about. There's a lot of massive health benefits to long-term helping you live longer, preventing cardiovascular disease, uh, many other things. So um, foregone conclusion, not necessarily. Um, people can get off it and some occasionally will, depending on say it's a guy who had a, um, an injury or a head injury or they were in a really toxic environment. They go on testosterone for a few months, they fix their environment, they get off it and their levels are better. So maybe you could get off it. But a lot of guys, if they're if it's not, if it's just, you know, if it's just age and wear and tear, you know, they may need that indefinitely. And again, take it as long as you want to feel good and live a long, healthy life and feel strong and have good libido. If you want, if you don't want to feel that way, then stop it. Um, but it's all um, about the sex guy. I mean, come on, it's coming from a chick. Come on. Like, come yeah. on. Um, I was wearing the penis mask earlier. Come on. It's all about the sex. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeffrey is asking, can you take HCG and TRT concurrently to stay fertile? Take them together? Same time, yeah. Absolutely. Do it all the time. Yes, that's definitely a good option. Um, you're welcome, Joey. So I know that one question that some of my guys have. So now going from younger to the older guys, early to mid 40s, where they're done having children, they've got a high stress job, they're addressing everything they can from a lifestyle perspective. They're eating well, they're training well, they're doing coaching with me. So what point do you tell them like, all right, we've done and exhausted everything we can naturally. We should explore going on testosterone. Because a lot of those guys at that age group still consider it almost like a taboo subject, whereas women's hormone replacement is still socially so acceptable. But for the guys, it's kind of like this weird point for them. So, you know, what would you say to them? And when, when is that point for them? In terms of, like, like looking at from a sexual perspective, you mean, or... No, like if they're considering TRT and they, they don't know they're a candidate or not because they, they're fit and they're doing everything right, but yet their test levels are still low for all the reasons that we've mentioned, environmental and all that stuff. When is it like, all right, we've exhausted everything. It's time to go on the needle or go on the cream, stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's, you know, with the men, it's kind of like, a, it's almost sometimes like a pride issue, right? It's like, I can do this. I can fix this. Yeah. So I can just take um, some test boosters and, you know, try something I saw online and do these things and do it. And, and sometimes early on, it will help. If you fix, if you're eating like crap, you're not working out, you're not sleeping, 
yeah, fix all those things. Absolutely. And we can help with that. You know, do all those, check all those boxes. But if you're, if you've done all that and you've checked all those boxes, all the test boosters, and you're still feeling like crap or you're not where you need to be, then probably the test boosters are not going to work. You can try it. It may help, but more than likely it's not going to help. And then, so it, once again, it comes, like I said in the beginning, it comes down to your symptoms. How are you feeling? You know, I'm, I just don't have the drive. You know, I just don't have the libido. I, I'm just kind of can't get rid of this gut. No matter, I'm working out five days a week, doc. I'm eating clean. You know, I'm doing carnivore, paleo, whatever, and it's just not there. Well, let's look at your blood work and we'll go through a symptom checklist. I have a whole inventory score checklist we can go through. And if you check all those boxes and, and or, you know, even if your testosterone is not terribly low, if it's on the lower side and you're having the symptoms, well, you're a candidate. You know, it's, it's all, and there's no harm in admitting, it's not that you failed anything, but that's just the environment we're in nowadays. You know, it's like, we're getting attacked on all sides. You know, it's like being out in the sun all day, you put sunscreen on, but you still got burned. It's not your fault. You did everything right, but you got to go in. So um, when it's time, it's time, you know, and if, again, if you're, you know, look, if you do all these things and you feel freaking amazing, then you're good to go. But if you're not, if you're having those symptoms, like we were talking about, it's all about the symptoms. How do you feel, you know, and um, then we'll do the lab work. And if those, those boxes are checked, you know, you're candidate. And again, there's no harm. You shouldn't feel bad or bashful about it. You know, like Ali said, women are all bad. If something's off, they're like, dude, fix me. I want that thyroid medicine or I want this. I want to feel good. I want to look good. Dude, guys should be the same way. Fix it. There's no harm. If, if anything, uh, realize that it's going to make you better. Uh, it's going to make you a better person, uh, put you in a better mood, and you're going to be better, uh, feel better by yourself when you have that confidence in yourself and you, you feel better, you're looking better. You're going to treat other people better. You're going to be nice to other people. You're going to perform better at work. Uh, you're going to perform better elsewhere. Then hopefully you're going to spread that positivity to someone else and they'll pass it forward to someone else. So, it goes on many levels. Very well put. So cruising into um, our conclusion, guys, please get in any last questions that you have. But in the meantime, it, it's interesting um, providing these perspectives, especially from a medical doctor, because there is so much misinformation out there. And I know a lot of you guys have considered it, especially if you're younger or if you're older. And I know a lot of you guys have come up against resistance that it's cancer causing and heart attack causing and all those things. We're going to cover all of those myths and misconceptions next Tuesday night, because that is a whole nother topic in itself. So um, that's what uh, next Tuesday will be all about is the alleged prostate cancer risk and all these things that you hear and may see on Google. Uh, George has a question. If local doctors seem unresponsive or aren't listening, are there other options? Come see me. You. <laughs> yes. And GJM Mun Money said uh, he's 44 and he's natural. He doesn't like his test drops. Dude, you're the perfect example. Is if, if you have zero symptoms, you feel great. You've got morning wood, rock hard erection, sex drive, everything. No reason to, um, uh, you know, change anything. If it's not broke, don't fix it. But if you are symptomatic and you feel that you should be treated as somebody who may be a candidate and you're not, then you're going to need to find another doctor. If your doctor refuses to test you, find another doctor. Because there's absolutely no reason that you should not be able to find out uh, if you're functioning optimally as a man. So uh, George yeah. asked if they can direct message you. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, Eddie, absolutely. are we able to consult, consult with you via telehealth now that that's more relaxed? Absolutely. Thank God. Definitely. I'm very excited. Yeah. Um, Josh says, I want in, get me the good stuff. All right, I will FedEx you some vials <laughs> from Russia tomorrow. If anybody else wants black market tests, you can mention me. Uh, I should say, this is for entertainment purposes only. This is not to be taken seriously. 
No, anyway, um, thank you guys all so much. Oh, Marky, I have a total of 507, 10 free with E2 of 10. Oh, yeah, that's a very low estrogen. And we can Definitely. we can get into that next week because that kind of ties into the whole uh, scariness of some testosterone myths and misconceptions. Yeah, we'll talk about that because we'll find out later, guys, a little teaser that a lot of things with libido and fat loss actually is because of estrogen. It's not because there's testosterone. We'll explain that. So you got a good test, but your estrogen is in the tank. That could be the problem. And there's a way to fix that. And it's not giving estrogen, but I'll show you. It's you guys a, need both, just like I need both. both. Like my test is through the floor now. I'm going on the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for joining us, Eric. They can find you on Instagram. Is that the best way to message you? Yes, ma'am. Dr. Eric's PrimeX or DrEricPrimeX.com on the website. And uh, reach out to either one of us. And if you were interested in uh, consulting with us or doing a telemedicine conference, just reach out to us. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks, guys. Testosterone Tuesday.